What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 223 of the Hooniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, and we're here to talk about some car stuff. Hopefully, mostly. First, I'm going to talk about a beer, because I am drinking a beer tonight. I am home on a solo episode, and I finally got my hands on a bottle of Four Sons 3rd Anniversary Special Edition. They had this left over from their 3rd Anniversary bottling, which I wasn't able to attend, They've made 3,600 bottles, and I have two of them right now. I found two in their fridge the other day, so I, I bought them and took them home. Um, it is, and this is a long one, it's an oak-aged imperial sour blonde with tart cherry, cinnamon, and vanilla beans, and it is 11.3% alcohol. So uh, let's uh, check on that. I'm going to take a sip of that. Oh, man. That is... um. Yeah, it's you can't really taste the 11.3, which is really good and really, really dangerous. Very heavy on the cherries. Um, I wonder if this is the type of beer that you could lay down, like like you lay down wine. This might be a beer where the cherry would settle a little bit, and then over time it would just get better and better. Um, I'm not sure. Um, it'd be fun to find out, but I know I won't be able to. I'll just want to drink it. So... On to the car stuff. Um, my wife and I just took a bit of a road trip because it's our 10th anniversary. We had the in-law, her parents come out, watch the kiddo, and we set off to Central Coast, California. We drove the Mazda instead of the Benz because air conditioning. The Mercedes does not have air conditioning. It needs some new door seals and window seals. Um, it doesn't have headrests, which, get, which gets tiring after a while. I would have taken it if I was going by myself. Going with my wife, there's there's a reason you get to be married for 10 years as you make the right decisions. And the right decision was to take the Mazda and be comfortable and get the drive done nice and easily. Uh, had we had AC, it might have been a different might have been a different question. Um, my wife was up for it if I wanted to, to lean on taking the Benz, but I did not. So another good thing, though, about taking the Mazda, though this would have been fun in the Mercedes as well, is... Hold on, I think one of my dogs is walking up the stairs. Let me check on that. All right, good. No, the gate is closed. He's not being a psycho. All right, the other good thing about taking uh, the Mazda was that uh, we hired someone to drive our car through wine country. This was a great service. Now, you could, hire, you could you know, order a town car, but that is at least three times the cost of what we did. This is about 35 bucks an hour. And the other good thing is this is a local wine lover, and her and her husband own the business, and they, <clears throat> they know the wine. They, they really know their wine and talking to them. So you can tell them what sort of wine you like. You can tell them specifically which wineries you want to hit. Um, or you can say, these are the type of wines we want. I told them one winery, Turley, because I love their Zinfandel. And then from there, she picked the rest for us. And we, we just had great wine, and she drove it. And our ca- the, the two cases of wine we bought were already in the trunk of our own car for the trip home. Uh, one or two might have made it up into the hotel room. But it was it was great. It was such an awesome service. It would have been fun in the Benz, and I wouldn't have been nervous about someone else driving the Mercedes. But it was just easier in the Mazda. I know that's not always the fun answer, but if the weather gets hot and you know all that stuff, it's just at the end of the day, the Mazda was the right choice here. In a future trip to a wine country, we are taking the Benz though, once I get the air conditioning fixed. Damn, that is that is tart. That beer is tart. Now, 
uh, one thing we did that was awesome out there in Central Coast. So we stayed in Central Coast. Um, we went wine tasting in Paso Robles, which is one of my favorite areas for wine in the country. Uh, but we stayed at the beach. We stayed in a town called Avila Beach, which is just north of Pismo, just south of Slow. And it was awesome. It was really cool, quiet little beach town. Um, but just south of us is Pismo, like I said. And my wife's, it was my wife's idea to head over there and rent a side-by-side. There are tons of companies doing it. They have the dunes. If you ever see the videos from Huckfest, I think they do Huckfest at Pismo. I'd never really driven in dunes. But I was super pumped to get into the side-by-side. And they rented razors, which was cool too. So it was good side-by-sides. So this was um, intimidating. Driving in the dunes is intimidating. It's pretty busy out there. We did this on a Saturday morning. There's a lot of campers. There's a lot of brosity in in the place. It, everybody's friendly, but it's it's a bro-y environment. Uh, you, you have to look out for the signpost. They give you a map, you know, when you hit this one signpost, then you turn in and the dunes are, have at it. There's no speed limit. There's a speed limit on the beach area. The, I forget what they call the sand highway. Yeah. Sand highway. It's about 15 miles an hour. And then in the dunes, you can just rip. Now, the thing about the dunes is you, you, you have to know where, what's in front of you. It's good to do some scouting laps out there. I'm sure there's locals who have been there a bunch, but it, the wind has to change these things fairly often regardless. If you have some you know, Pro 4 trophy truck that can just do whatever, it doesn't matter, have at it. But even then, you should still know what you're getting into. Now, in a little razor, in a side-by-side, you roll up to the top of some of these dunes, and if you just shoot off the over the edge without checking, you could be in for a world of hurt, um, possibly, you know, worse because a couple of those have some insane drops off the backside um so we rolled up we I mean, we just checked it out it, but like i said once you're in there and then you you go deep in and then you start to figure out how you're going to get out of here and it doesn't look the same way as you came in oh my goodness which the best way to go you know to be safe and i mean if it's just me by myself i would have been a little bit more of an idiot but it was my wife so you know you take it you take it easy um but the thing was awesome. The side-by-side was super rad. I need to do some trail running in one of these side-by-sides. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun, some wide-open desert stuff. I'd like to go back to the dunes, especially with people who really know the dunes. But I will say the dunes were very, very intimidating. I did not expect to be that intimidated by them. A couple times I went in a little hard on some smaller dunes, and that razor just soaked it right up. Uh, even my wife said she was really impressed with just the nose of it. It's just the suspension there. There's, I don't know what the travel is on it. Um, and these are, you know, stock razor rental beat up side by sides, but it's really soaked up the bumps really well. That, that is an impressive machine. There were a good amount of them out there. There were ATVs. There were a couple trucks. There were a couple buggies, lots of dirt bikes. It was cool. It was, it was a neat environment. I could see how camping out there with some good friends, some beer right on the beach, you know, and the beer after the end of the day, uh, and some knowledgeable people, that could be a lot of fun. I'd like to go back with some people. I think I got to hit up Andrew Collins from Jalopnik and a couple others and, and head out there and, and see what's going on. I have an idea for a story with Honda about one that I've wanted to do anyways, where I borrow a Ridgeline and tow there side by side, and they seem pretty into it, um, but I don't want to go out by myself. I mean, part of the fun of that is is ripping with other people. So we'll see. We'll stay tuned on that one. Now, other stuff that's going on this year is we have SEMA coming up. 
normally I, I've been to SEMA one year for the podcast, and then normally it's Chris and, and some friends recording. This year, I'm going to be there for two-thirds of the SEMA stuff. So that's that's fun. I'm looking forward to it, but the the schedule is packed. Chris crams the schedule in. Um, I'm going to run down who we have scheduled so far, um, just so you know. And I, there might be a few more that he has to the schedule. But this is who we have coming to be on the podcast so far. And these are all separate podcasts. So we have Eximotive. We have Renegade Customs. We have Center Force Clutches. We have Lund International. We have Dynan. We have Superformance. We have Jay Leno's Garage. We have Elena. <laughs> that tart cherry. We have Elena from Roadkill. We have Honeywell Garrett. We have Height Suspension. We have Jason Angle from Classic Recreations. We have Hellwig. We have Mr. Mike Musto. We have APR Tuning. And we have Brembo. Now, I'm going to be there for most of those. Well, two-thirds of them. Chris is handling the others, and we're going to have some other friends in on the podcast as well. Chris is driving. I lined up a vehicle for him to drive out there. He's driving a Dodge Durango RT to haul all the gear, and he's very excited um, because it'll be more comfortable and get better fuel economy. Because uh, I think it's no, it's the Durango GT all-wheel drive, so it's not the full V8 one or something like that. But he's going to be comfortable on the highway. Um, and so, and but I'm flying. I, I get in there Wednesday. I get there Wednesday morning because SEMA is so stupid that they constantly have it where it in, crosses over Halloween, and I am not missing my two and a half year old daughter's Halloween just to go to SEMA. So. I fly the day after Halloween, get there that morning, and we start podcasting right then that day. But Chris is doing a few podcasts the day before, and he might be doing one or two on Friday. I'll be there through Thursday, leaving Friday morning. If you're in town and you want to grab a drink or just say hi or whatever, just hit me up on Twitter, email, Instagram, I mean, any of it, um, and we'll try to meet up. I mean, it's Vegas. You know, Later in the day, you want to have some beers and and all that good stuff or just chat cars or whatever. And, and this will be the place to do it. So if you're in town for Seaman, uh, let me know. There'll be a bunch of other people we'll be hanging out with. So it could be a lot of fun to come over and chat. Now I'm going to pause here for a minute um, because we're still talking about our friends from the driveline app. Yes, this is the commercial break moment of it, but it's the commercial break based on a product that we think is pretty cool. They're adding more features. They're making it look sharper. The usability of it is just getting better and better. I just added my bends to the app today. I'm going to add a driving road tomorrow and really just take a deeper dive. I've been way too busy to do it, and the the road trip route would have been like four hours and just go up the 101, so it wouldn't have been a good road to do for the app. Um, but you need to go to the iOS, you need to go to the app store, you need to download this, you need to become part of the community of driveline users. You can see the points integration, and as you get more points, once they add more users and more roads, then the contest will come, and it can be a big social fun place where we talk about cars and our favorite roads. And that's, I mean, that's the kind of type of shit, we, that is the type of stuff we like shooting the shit about anyway, so why don't join a community and support a supporter of us? Go download the Driveline app today. All right, now I am moving on to questions. And because, as you always know, I'm never prepared for this part, i got to pull them up. So let's pull up the Patreon ones first. Uh, and while that's loading, I'll prime the Twitter and the Facebook. All right. 
I just got a new monitor that is super wide, so I'm like sweeping from left to right as I look these up. Um, 34 inches. It's like 21 by 9 aspect ratio. It is great for editing video. It is, there's a lot, you have to turn your head to see the other sides of it. All right. Patreon questions. Bobby Reed, objectively, cars are better now than they've ever been. If you were to pick a good, affordable 2017 GT car, say a Mustang GT, how far back would you have to go to, ident to identify an exotic that the Mustang is all around better than? Um, not very far, probably. I, I mean, you I wouldn't be surprised if you're in the 90s, because um, he said, i.e. Uh, Ferrari 360, even though it should be EG. Sorry, I'm, I am an editor. Um, so the I'm pretty sure you go to the 90s, and all of a sudden the Mustang GT is ripping on supercars of that era. You do not have to go back far. It's it's Something happened in the 2000s where all of a sudden they figured out uh, a little bit lightweight yet stronger construction engine Engines were able to make more power um, in smaller displacement amounts and turbocharging and direct injection and uh, electrification and all of this stuff that made these cars better and better and better and better from the current, you know, now supercars all the way down to cars like the Mustang GT. I mean, take it even further and go down to entry-level cars like the relatively entry-level cars like the, the Civic Sport. Um, you don't have to go that far back. So, yeah, I, I think the 90s, and you're there. Um, so, Joshua Jund. Not that you need more things taking up your free time, but have you ever considered doing a beer podcast? I would totally listen to a weekly Cars and Beer podcast with you and Lieberman. I mean, I would be down to do that. It's just as busy as I am. I bet Johnny is just as busy, you know, shooting the, the episodes of, his, of the Motor Trend stuff. I think he still writes stuff for Motor Trend, and he has a younger child than I. Um, so he's busy. He, uh, trust, I would, I would love that. Now, I, can't, I won't hide it from you and say that maybe a friend and I are trying to produce something that somehow works cars and beer together. It's, it's tough, but it's not as tough as you think. We have a concept laid out. Um, but it's just a matter of us finding time to really work on it and pitch it and do all the stuff that a show entails. Um, so they, they, like, of course that's the type of shit that crosses my mind. So it's, it's there. I just got to figure out how to make it happen. The podcast would be easy to do, but it's a time thing. But the show thing, I am actually working on a show that would please you based on your question. It would please you. It would provide you pleasure. Dan Mosqueda, what did you study in college? How did it prepare for your career? It didn't. I have a degree in management information systems and a minor in economics from the University of Rhode Island. So it, it didn't. I don't know a, sh a, sh a fucking thing about journalism. Um, I am not trained to write or edit people. Um, I always liked writing, so that helped a little bit. And then I taught myself how to use a camera for photographs. And then I taught myself how to use a camera for video. And then I taught myself how to edit. Uh, and then I always knew I could talk, which is what I'm fucking doing now. So, no, study. I did not study what I wanted to study in college. So if, if any of you are listening to this and you are in college and you're fretting about your major, don't. Just finish and then get out in the real world and figure it out. It would be nice. You know, it would be a lovely thing to follow the correct path, but it does, that's just not how it works for everybody and a lot of people these days. My final semester of my senior year 
in, in college. And yeah, I did four years. I wasn't, you know, five-year program or anything like that. My final semester, I took a, just like a basic film class. And as I was in the film class, it was like, fuck. Well, this would have been, this would have been cool to do stuff in this space. But, you know, you live and learn and you move on. And then after college, I was a bartender in outside Boston to prep for a move to California to be a bartender. Uh, a friend and I were going to write screenplays, but we hated L.A., so we never went to L.A. And I uh, bartended for a bit, and then that, you know, started to fade. And then I got a job in the mortgage industry right as it was falling apart. So that was fucking awful. And then I got a job on the business side of NADA Guides, which is not a company I recommend based on other conversations, but they got my foot in the door on the business side. And it was actually a nice little salary for a bit. Um, but they let they teased me with letting me try the editorial side. And that's where I was like, oh, man, this is way better. And I made some connections in the PR space. And uh, another friend I met through Jalopnik, we met virtually and then became friends in real life. He and I didn't love the way then Jalopnik was going. So we started our own website called Hooniverse and, um, and then shit was going south in an idea guide. So I made the jump into the editorial side and was without a blog for a year, which we all know how that turned out. And then, uh, you've been back to Hooniverse and freelancing for the actual money ever since. So no college didn't help me. Um, <laughs> Ryan Kelly, I am currently over in Singapore for work. I know I've been following on Instagram. This is the second time I've been over here. It sucks both times I've missed the F1 race. The car culture over here is a bit strange. I'm having a hell of a time trying to find like a Saturday or Sunday car show just to see some random stuff that we don't see in the States. If you or any of your listeners have ideas, please hit me up at type underscore R underscore Kelly on the grams. So if anybody listening knows of where Ryan can go see cool car shit in Singapore, Friend him and message him on Instagram. Go for it. I don't know anything about Singapore except what I learned from Hangover 2. Was it 2? Yeah, it was 2. Um, all right. Twitter questions. So I think there are a few decent ones tonight. <laughs> Maybe not that they're not. Oh, God, I just scrolled past one. That'll, that'll be great. Um, all right. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see. This is an interesting question because on the face of it, you think the answer is easy, but I disagree. So at Steven Spahn, at Spahn, S-P-A-H-N-N-N, would you rather daily an Aventador or a 2003 Prius? Now, instantly, you say Aventador. I, I hate the Prius. I, I enjoy it for what it is for other people. I think it is a great vehicle for 80% of the car buying public out there. We had one. My wife had one as a work car, and I fucking loathed driving it. It, it sucks your soul away if you care about cars at all. Some of you do care about cars, but you, you have another car and your Prius is just your point A, point B machine. It's fine. I get it. It's perfect for that. So my answer is instantly a Ventador. But then you start to think about it. I'm 37. I occasionally have some back pain. The noise would get old. The attention would get old. All of the shit associated with, associated with it would get old. However... The other choice is a 2003 Prius. There is no chance I'm taking the Prius. I would be an asshole, and I would daily the Aventador. Now, if you own an Aventador and you daily it, you are not an asshole. You are a wonderful person. Just putting that out there, too. Brandon Maxwell at BMAX3242. Besides the R35 GTR and new NSX, new NSX does Japan make any new supercars? Uh, I mean, none that I know of. Um, 
I'm more interested in what Japan is going to do in the mid to entry level sports car range. The Nissan Z needs a major refresh. I really want them to either do one of two things or do both and offer two different versions of it. They need to make an entry level version that's cheap and stripped out and has a great engine and it's just full on 240Z inspired without being over the top 240Z designed. Now on the other end of that scale, they should offer, you know, the Nismo version with the twin turbo 400 horsepower Red Sport Infinity engine. If they don't, they're crazy. Uh, so I really want to see them do that. I'd also, I wouldn't mean, maybe they could make a car that's not the next, you know, f actually, maybe the next Z is going to be the 400Z. Now that I think about it, am I, I'm not the first one to think of that. There's no chance I am. Because um, that'd be, that'd be crazy if I just realized that the 400 horsepower engine in the next car is the 400Z. 400Z would sound weird, though. Um and I'm sure other people have speculated about this. And I'm sure there's already a forum like 400Z.com or something. Z, well, uh, Z32, Z34, what are we at? I don't know. Z34, Z, I don't know what the Z codes are anymore. Um, but no, I, I, but I do care more about like uh, BRZs, GT86s, the everyman sports car, because we need more of that more than we need more higher end supercars. I, I mean, more Japanese supercars are going to be great. The Supra could be one of them, but who knows at this point what that thing's going to be. They should have just built that FT1 that we saw, so I don't know. Tough, tough call, but I want more mid-to-low-level Japanese sports cars. Matt Carhart at Long DX Commuter. What car do you think represents its respective decade the best, 1950s to present? Um, I mean, it's hard to beat. It's, I'd say something like trying to think because i mean you could pick something from the malaise era and you know just some like cadillac that used to have some towering engine and now is making a smog choked 160 horsepower and it's a shit box version of what it used to be so that's a good answer on the malaise side but my mind instantly went to something from the late 60s like the era i didn't think of the car yet but the very first car that popped in my head even though it's not a car i someday care to own is a 68 camaro because I, I prefer the Ford stuff and the Mopar stuff to the Camaro. So it's so but maybe that's the answer because it's a car I don't care for, but it's the first one that popped in, into my head. Because um, it represents that America is good and happy and free. I mean, at least it is on, on the surface. You know, there's always underlying shit that goes on with various civil movements and, and everything else that you, you start to gloss over as history marches forward, but in general, you know, say you lived in California at the time and you had a 68 Camaro and you're cruising down PCH, I mean, you're pretty much loving the late 60s. Um, but I still think the Malays era car is better. Some Malays shitbox Cadillac. Matt Carhart, Long DX Commuter, what is the per plural of Prius? I like Pri, um, a, a, a scrum or a shitbox of Pri. I, so, um, Colin Boudard, it's Colin Woodard from our last week's episode. He says, uh, is this car awesome or terrible? And he included a link to a 1978 Pontiac Sunbird Sport Safari for sale in Maple Plain, Minneapolis. And this thing is fucking incredible, actually. Um, I've never heard of this. It is basically a Pontiac shooting brake. So it's two-door wagon, side pipes, 
231 V6 with 43,000 actual miles. It says engine is from a 76 old Starfire. Um, low production station wagon for Pontiac. Rear window metal panel inserts from a Chevy Vega Panel Express. Uh, hard. Hate to sell, but I have another project. Blah, blah, blah. This thing's incredible. Um, and I, I mean, wow. This is, you guys got to find this tweet on my timeline and look this mother effort up. I mean, it's an automatic six banger, but it's in really good shape and it's really, really unique. And they're asking 8,200. I mean, that's, that is, I'm going to, I'm going to like and retweet this right now. Cause that is amazing. Amazing. Just typed it out in real time, not in real time. Uh, Tavares, Freddie Hernandez at the real Tavares. What car, if given to you right now, would be worth quitting the podcast? Uh, my dream 68 Charger, no question. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like pie in the sky, um, you know? Cause, and you didn't say I couldn't start a new podcast, but um, yes, I mean, 68 Charger is my somewhat obtainable dream car. My my massively unobtainable dream car is the Ferrari from Ferris Bueller, the real one, I know, not the kit car from the movie, but the real version. Um yeah, I think uh, I think a '68 Charger would fit the bill nicely. I, I mean, honestly, there's probably a a lot of cars that financially, because I don't I don't this this isn't financially viable. Um, so the, maybe just having my Benz wagon, uh, that'd feel like I was quitting if I said finish my Benz wagon and I would quit the podcast. So that'd be lame because I'd want to tell you guys all about it and stuff like that. So it'd have to be something more. So the 68 Chargers is what I'm going to going with. And that's, that feels like cheating because those aren't cheap at all right now. So this is the question I scrolled by and I thought was interesting. Robert Jones at Low Pan 3 Storm. Any opinions on Parker of Vehicle Virgins? I hate to shit on other people doing car stuff on the internet. Um, so I'm just going to say what he does isn't for me. Um, some people can do the vlog style well. I actually really love what Freddie does because he's working on the cars and he's kind of teaching and he's bringing you along for the journey. B is for build is doing some of that stuff too. I don't, I don't, I don't get the sort of the Schmee and the Parker and, and all that stuff. I mean, I, I'm not going to go full Alex Roy on it, even though I think some of that shit was hilarious. Um, but these are people who don't always say like they, they're, they, they, they portray themselves as working hard when they were literally given everything. And I'm not going to hate on people who are giving everything, but it just, there's a disingenuineness inherent in that that's hard to escape. Some people can escape it. Um, I mean, Alex Roy comes from money, but uh, Matt comes from money. But, but Matt and Alex, they built themselves into a position through hard work and all this stuff where other people just grabbed a camera, pointed it at their fucking supercar collection and said look at me and and again i'm not trying to hate on that um they're doing what they love and there's something to be said for that i'm just going to say that form of entertainment isn't my cup of tea if you enjoy it enjoy it happily i'm just not watching along with you that's all he'd be he'd probably be an interesting guest and i and i would just i i you know you just shoot straight and talk and you know, I, I never would invite a guest on just to shit on them. I would want to learn about them and who they are and, you know, what makes them tick and all that. So yeah, that could be interesting. David Baldazar at Standard Six Speed. Which company's PR reps are consistently the most difficult to work with? Um, some people might not want to answer this question, but the, the general consensus for me, at least, is that most are fine. Most are fine. 
to work with and some are great. The only ones that I, I just I consider them difficult in by the way that I never get a response ever, period, is Porsche. Um but they don't they don't need my coverage. So the the my my only problem with is I just I've had so many email introductions from higher you know, more established, bigger name journalists saying, hey, this is so-and-so from Hooniverse. They'd love to cover your cars. Or I've even had internal people at Porsche f- forward emails to other people, and the people in charge of it, they just don't respond. And that's what annoys me. I've had delightful conversations with Ferrari in person. They're like, our, our, budget, or our, our fleet is extremely limited. We have to be very careful who we give the cars to. Great. That makes perfect sense. Porsche, I, I mean, I get it, but just like a not at this time, like something, just reply something. So that that is to me difficult to work with. So like if I emailed McLaren tomorrow and said, what's the status on the 720S? I wouldn't email like that because it sounds like a dick. It was, Wait, when's the 720S available? They'll be like, it's busy right now. Check back with me for late, like November, December. And and they, they mean it. They're not just blowing smoke up my ass. And then on the flip side of someone not getting me a car like Ferrari's like, hey, we'd love to do a story in the 488. Not at this time, unfortunately. Please reach out in the future. That's fine, too. That's an answer. All I want is a reply. And the only one who doesn't reply is Porsche. Um, BMW never used to really re- – they would reply, but they would say no, but but they replied. So I And I haven't reached out to them in a long time. So they would probably still reply. It would just – Probably be a no, um, but that's not being difficult. That's being honest, and I'm I, I'm fine with that. Um, all right, Bozy, I can never pronounce your last name, Bozy. I'm sorry, Bozy Tatarevich at Hunable. Which podcast, if given to you right now, would be worth quitting cars? Uh, the dollop. I love the dollop. Uh, our friend Bradley Burnell replied, Nerdist, which is probably financially smarter, but I just love the dollop, so I would take that. Um, and then. Sammy Hassad just said hi. Hey, Sammy. Uh, so let's see. Accurate journalist, this guy. Um, that's funny. That was a reply to the motorsports question. Um, all right, Facebook questions. Publish the link. Publish the link. By the way, if you guys haven't seen the the Clarion Builds Acura NSX went for one hundred thirty five thousand at auction. Over the weekend, so that's, I mean, cheers to that. It all goes to charity, and the the young guy bought it, and, I mean, it's awesome. Good for them. Okay, Facebook. David Bodenstein. With being at the top of the list of Next Hooniverse crew, with being at the top of the list of Next Hooniverse crew member, what crazy or mundane task of achievements must I compete Complete to further my aspirations of crewmanship. Also, is a Miata slash 124 hairdresser's car if the person driving's hair is short, is too short to dress. Um... Being at the top of the list, um, all I want at Hooniverse is people who want to write uh, at the moment because the writing side of our website needs to be picked up. We just need more writers, um, and a few of you have replied to me, and it's great. And I owe you some of you replies, um, and I will get back to you in a positive manner. Um, but I just at this point, I just want writers. Um, I don't need. I mean, I need some help coming up very soon on the video side of it, but uh, that's harder to ask for because it takes a while to create a working relationship. Like Jason and Connor and I worked for a while and then we just could nail it when we were working together. Josh Ostrander, Ostrander worked 
for a while and he's actually soon moving on to bigger and better things. Um, and we were nailing it too. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the, the thing, the good thing for those of you who come to work and who work in quotes, who come to Hooniverse, there's a chance you're going to move on to bigger and better things because I am the launching pad for getting people out into the industry. And I am totally 100,000% happy and okay with that. I'm just hoping in the future down the road, a hand extends downward from upward and lifts me up too. And that's, that sounds dark and dreary. Um, but I can't, I'm just going to say, I can't do Hooniverse forever. So, um, and as I get older, that can't do this forever is, is, is looming on the horizon. I'll just say that. Ah, looming like that delicious beer from Four Sons. Blake Swan, why do you think EcoBox design cars look so ugly in the rear quarter panel? Mini seems to be the only one that doesn't create the illusion of its rear wheel diameters being smaller than the front wheels. Is it because the fender has more metal on it between the fender and the glass? I'm thinking of the Fiesta, Spark, Rio, Polo, 500, Sonic, basically any small car. Am I the only one that notices? Just feel that making these cars looks even cheaper and unfortunately... Hopefully, I'm making sense. Thanks, Jeff. I think it's safety. Honestly, I think a lot of the design we're seeing, especially on smaller cars, comes down to safety. If you have a big car, you can do an updated three-box design. On a small car, you have to fit very necessary safety items in smaller packages. So you bring all that body up to protect you know, rear crash panels and, and just rear passengers. So I think it's all related to crash. Uh, it, designers competing in that space have a very, very tough job. That's not to say some of them, there's some that are doing better than others, but it's difficult for all of them. Christopher Gatsky, even though most of us would prefer knobs and buttons to touchscreens, we live in a world where that simply isn't a reality. Having used and evaluated a lot of different systems in a lot of different cars, what makes a good touchscreen slash UX capacitive versus resistive aftermarket versus OEM. I've always found that OEM is better than aftermarket. Um, aftermarket's fine because the, the screens are cheaper for everybody. Uh, I will say I was just in the Velar and that setup in the center stack blew me away. It works really well. It looks gorgeous. It looks like a concept car. It looks gorgeous. I just, I'm terrified of how well it's going to work in 10 years. I know we've come a long way with Range Rover, Land Rover, Jaguar, Land Rover products, but still, it still lingers the air of that. Um, what makes a good touchscreen is simply responsiveness. It just has to respond right away. That's what it is. So like the Volvo screen is pretty great. Um, Uconnect always works really well too because uh, it wasn't designed by FCA. It was designed by Sprint someone that deals with phones and, and, and things that people are always touching. Um, so there, there are, there are good screens out there and they're all getting better. And, and it's all, at least from my experience on the OEM side, I deal with less aftermarket stuff. So Alexander J. Panek without you reintroducing the taillight strip with their latest A8 and A7 models, what do you think will be the next automotive trend in regards to looks apart from this one? Obviously, what will be the next automotive trend? I, I feel like headlights are getting smaller, which is really weird, and I don't necessarily love it, but I feel like headlights are getting smaller. Um, so I'm going to stick with that because if I try to think other ones, it won't be a good answer. Josh Milahan, rubber ducky buggy bumper. If I send you guys beers from Minneapolis, would you decide what's better, Grain Belt Premium or Summit? I would definitely decide what was better. Um, send me an email to jeff at hooniverse.com and I will send you my address to send me that beer. It's easier to send it to my address than to the studio because we don't 
like we don't do the TST studio anymore. Um, so, um, and it's easier than sending beer to Chris's house. Uh, Derek Kuhn, what front wheel drive car would you have liked to be rear wheel drive of the last 15 ish year? I say the 2000 Chevy Monte Carlo SS since it was my first car. And I, I would go right in that same vein. I would say Impala. Uh, it, it kills me that the Impala is not rear wheel drive. Sky Barkas, do cheap tires with an identical trade wear rating to premium tires wear more quickly? In my experience, it seems the answer is yes. Thoughts? I don't have ex- enough experience in that space to properly answer, but I would have to imagine yes because they're maybe not having as great the, – the tread wear rating is the same, but the actual tire construction is going to be vastly different, and I think that's where we're going to find the difference. Julian Schur, would you rather have a manual Corvette with a, a 6G72 or an Auto Geo Metro with D15? I we're getting into some engine codes that I have to look up, so make fun of me for not knowing these. Mitsubishi E6 G7. Uh, okay, so that's the the that's the three liter. Um, let's see, what's the other one? The other one was the D15. Uh, yeah, and I should know these engines, but you know, I'm, I told as like I always say, I thought that was a Honda motor. Um, okay. So that's the D15, but which D, which one is that? Is that the, oh, oh, which D15 though? Because, scroll down, we have some fun ones like the D15B or, let's see what else we got. Scroll up, I'm looking at more D15. There's a lot of D15, so you might have messed up. Uh, D15Z1, no, that's VX. Ugh. Um, damn, there's a lot of D15s. It's all, it's all other market shit, though. Uh, there was an EK3 that had the D15Z7. It's funny, there's a Honda Civic LS in the European market. It's called that Civic LS. It's really funny. Um, and then, let's see, so the Mitsubishi 6G. What's the best 6G, though? Did you specify one? Let me go back and see if you... You said 72. Okay, so 72... So they did a 12-valve and a 24-valve and then a 24-valve dual overhead cam. So obviously I would take that one. I would take the Corvette with the 6 dual overhead cam, 24-valve, and then just go nuts with the um, – I'd be on like Diamond Star forums and talking with Starion people and figuring shit out. Uh, Ross Ballot, STI-swapped Crosstrek or Golf R-swapped all road actually tougher choice than you think and i'd rather have a golf r swapped um all trek because i would imagine it would be lighter than the audi just because that's gonna have heavy heavier interior um i really really want the sti cross track though i really want the sti cross track in my life talmage elton garner what car would make your what car would you make your enemy drive across the country a prius c if it's a new car a prius c I tried to max one out once on a, the press launch for that car, and I think in the press material it said the top speed was 99, and I was on a – and don't do as I do – you know, don't do as Donnie Don't does. Uh, I was – I tried to go from on-ramp to the next exit or two exits up and see if I could hit the – somewhere in San Diego freeway, um, and I got up to like 96, and I and it just couldn't – it couldn't get to its top speed. So Prius C. 
Nick Taylor, are you excited we're getting the E63 wagon? Yeah, of course. I would be more excited if I had the money to buy one. Um, but uh, yes, I'm very happy. Uh, this is actually something I want to bring up. You just reminded me. I was thinking we don't have a lot of wagons to choose from, but the ones we do have are excellent. Oh, I remember. I wasn't going to say this. This is going to be a story for tomorrow. Shit. All right. This is just reminding me of that, though. Because um, I just had the V90cc. The V90 is awesome. The E63 is awesome. The uh, All Roads awesome. The Golf All Tracks awesome. So, like, the wagons we do have are good. We just need more choices. Chris Ravert, are you tired of the constant comparisons to TST yet? I don't. I don't get them, and I don't see them. Um, I, our shows are different enough because Matt and crew are different enough. Um, we're related. I think I'd be insane not to think that we were related. You know, we sprung from. I think it was on the fifth ever episode of TST. And a bunch of them at the beginning, and then we decided to do our own, and then they let us use their studio, um, formerly their house. Um, and so we're related, but it's, it's just a different show because uh, Matt has so many different experiences with his role in the industry, and mine's different. Um, so I, I think you can listen to both and enjoy both for different reasons. Michael Delaney, I have a 2001 Nissan Maxima. I do most of the work on it myself. 100% of what I do and have learned I got from watching YouTube videos and reading forums. Have you all had any luck using this method to work on your car? Absolutely. I recommend it to people all the time. Stuff on the truck, um, I learned from watching YouTube videos, reading forums. Stuff on the Mercedes, I've I've looked at some forum-based stuff based on parts and and what I can and can't do with the car. So, yeah, I I recommend 100% if you want to do some DIY mechanic stuff, YouTube and forums are your friend. And these days, it's almost more so YouTube because forums are just getting tougher and tougher to read and used less often. Um, they're still a great source, uh, like like um, they're still a, a compendium of information. But there's some really good stuff on YouTube. Louis Vo, any plans for posting content in the podcast section of Google Play Music? That is a question for Chris. Um, talk to Chris about that because uh, I, I will forget to ask him but it is a very good question I, I don't know I thought we talked about going there but I could I guess we're not Russell Turnbull NSX or 570 GT I have not driven the NSX so I can't say however my gut says 570 GT um, yeah Niles Rogers which V8s sound better America's or Germany's Germany's did for a while but America's are back so it's America. Germany's did, though. When it was naturally aspirated 6.2-liter Mercedes V8s, those fuckers sounded amazing. Um, the Actually, the V8 in the Bentley Continental GTS sounds really, really good. Aston Martin has some great-sounding V... Oh, you said Germany. Well, that's why, I, that's why the Bentley. I, the, the Bentley I thought of because it's still German, and then it led me down to Aston Martin. Um, but no, America's V8s are back and crushing it, so it's America's. Um, yeah. So those are the questions. Uh, Ben's update, uh, nothing fresh there. I still need to aim the headlights. I'm shooting a video tomorrow, actually an update video to catch people up on where we've been and actually get some driving footage of the car, talk about the, the fixes from Leistung and then the next round of fixes we're going to do. Wombat update, um, unfortunately the shop I lined up to get the work done is just too busy so that I'm, I'm looking for another shop again. Um, it's unfortunate, uh, but they're they're busy. So you know what, what what can you do? They're they're great people, and I'm glad they they told me. You know, listen, we wouldn't be able to get to this for a while, um, so I got to find another shop. I might have one, but it's you know it's just back to the drawing, back to square one with this car. Um, 
So we'll figure something out. It's sitting in a lot and it's costing me money each month and it sucks, but we'll figure it out. Uh, Mazda update, CX-5. Yeah, I drove, I feel like I didn't get to all the Facebook questions. I feel like there are more Facebook questions, but why doesn't that, because I remember somebody else had one and I don't see it here unless I skipped over it. Um, Was there a Twitter one that I missed? Whatever. Um, Okay, so Mazda CX-5 update. Um, we pat Jan, my wife has passed 30,000 miles in about a year and a half and it is running flawlessly. So that's great. Everything works well. She needs to keep it cleaner, but she doesn't care about that as much as I do. So I will clean it. Um, and that's just life. Uh, probably going to look to put, I'm, I'm thinking about, I keep toying with the idea of doing wheels and tires on it. Um, so I don't know, I might do wheels and tires on it and that's it. Um, I was inspired by Ryan Kelly's all track and I might look in something in that vein. I just don't want to get her tires that aren't going to drive as nice because she put so many highway miles on it and just do it because I want the way it looks. I want it to still ride nice. So I got to think about what I really want to do there, but I might do wheels and tires on the Mazda. Um, but that's it for now. Um, hopefully you don't mind another social episode. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Glucker. Follow also at The Real Hooniverse. Follow me on Instagram at Hooniverse Jeff because I was too stupid to use the same names for each account. Go to YouTube, subscribe, go read Hooniverse.com, and then go to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. And then if you're in SEMA, drop us a line. We'd love to have a drink with you. Until then, adios. Adios.